The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Six, four, Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast with yours truly, Dylan Short, here to give you your Tuesday episode of the 643. If it sounds like I'm a little bit quieter and a little bit more muted today, that is correct, as I've got the little man upstairs trying to take a nap, and I figured, well, this might be the only opportunity I'll get today to talk about our Atlanta Braves, and I do need to talk about them today as... uh, The Braves went out last night, and they had a whale of a matchup facing them as Max Fried and Logan Webb, two of the best pitchers in baseball and two of the more underrated pitchers in baseball, locked horns last night. And it was Max Fried and the Braves who came out on top and won 2-1. to Now, if you listen to the Braves pregame, you probably have heard me say that I thought whoever gets to two first would win that game. Turns out that was right, as Max Fried was absolutely stellar. From pretty much from all the way through the seventh inning, he came out for the eighth inning, which I thought was a little bit. Uh, I, I I didn't know whether they would or not. He was already up over ninety pitches at that point, and uh, sent him back out for the eighth. Didn't work out quite as well for him as Max was hoping for, as he couldn't get through the eighth. He allowed uh, didn't get any outs in the seventh. Got some uh, a bunt hit, which was annoying. An eighty-four mile an hour little bloop single uh, off a broken bat. That was also annoying and set it up with runners on the corners. Uh, and then walked uh, walked the next batter to get the bases loaded. Will Smith came in, gave up a sack fly, and then got out of the inning without any more damage. Then the Braves ended up walking it off thanks to Orlando Arcia, who has been playing exceptional baseball this whole season, and particularly since he has taken over for Ozzy Albies. Arcia, uh, with, a, with a single, pretty hard-hit single, to drive in Phil Gosselin for the winning run, and the Braves took game one, two to one. That is awesome. For everybody that was saying uh, or, or talking about the the level of competition the Braves were facing in their 29-game stretch of teams under 500, can't say anything about the Giants, as the Giants are a very, very good team, and Logan Webb is an exceptional pitcher. Uh, I, I mentioned this on pregame yesterday, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Mike Soroka. He's not quite as big. Um, but that's the type of, of style he is as a pitcher, a guy that's going to feature a sinker, uh, sinker, slider, and change, has a four-seamer, and kind of has a curveball as well that he doesn't really throw as much, has a cutter uh, on that fastball as well, but he's typically going to sit sinker, uh, slider, and changeup, and his changeup has been one of the gnarliest pitches in baseball. Didn't matter yesterday, as the Braves actually offensively performed pretty well against him, better than I thought. 
They, I know they only got the two runs, and only one of those came off of Logan Webb. But the Braves as a whole, they got six hits off of them with no walks on Logan Webb's line. Now, one of those hits was a big-time home run off of bat of Travis Darno, who has absolutely found his honey hole. Travis knows his power. Travis doesn't have the most power of any catcher in baseball, but what he does know is if he gets a pitch he can turn on, he knows how to play it down that left field line, and he just hits rockets. I believe that one last night was at like 111 miles an hour, just torched off the bat, uh, gave the Braves a, a one nothing lead that the Braves weren't able to hold on to. But all's well that ends well. As Arcia came through to drive in Phil Gosselin, the newest member of the Braves, uh, to win the game. And uh, oh, all in all, I thought that was a really good performance all around. Max Fried went seven innings, gave up five hits, two walks with eight strikeouts versus Logan Webb, who had pretty much a, a pretty identical line. Seven innings, six hits uh, in a, the home run with no walks and seven strikeouts. Uh, each team had, or Tyro Estrada made a big error for uh, the Giants. It didn't end up hurting them, but it did uh, it did kind of allow, uh, it, it did kind of cause a, a main point in that game. Overall, I thought Brave Setters actually performed very well. Logan Webb threw 107 pitches in those seven innings, six, uh, 72 of them strikes, contrasted with Max Freed, who threw 102, and 65 of those were strikes. So well done all around. That was a premier pitching matchup for me. I think that was probably the best matchup of the night, watching those two guys go at it. And like I mentioned, in my opinion, those are the two most underrated pitchers in baseball right now. Logan Webb coming off of a four-war uh, four, four season season in 2021 already up to 1.8 this year max freed we know what he's been the past few seasons i've aside from carlos Rodon, i would say that freed has been the the best lefty in baseball over the past probably two or three seasons or so and he's off to a roaring start already at 2.4 f4 looks like he's going to set a new career high this year uh is is young youngish max freed i guess i guess we can call him a veteran at 28 now but overall, Braves played an excellent, excellent game against the Giants. They're going to look to replicate that in Game 2 tonight, which is a fun matchup for the Braves because we'll see Spencer Strider go back out there. And Spencer's last time out, if you forgot, 11 strikeouts versus the hapless Nationals. Now the Giants, a uh, fair bit better of a ball club, fair bit better of an offense than the Nationals. We'll see how he handles those guys. And when you're looking at the Giants, and this is something that I didn't really get to touch on in pregame, I, I touched on it on, I can't remember if I touched on this on Thursday or if I touched on it on the Saturday show. The Giants are kind of a different team, whereas they're they're the not really, when you think of really top teams in baseball, the Giants, looking at their roster, they're not one that you would think would be. But they just kind of work. They have, they're, they're basically their bench and their starters are, are kind of the exact same. They just switch people out for best opportunities. It's kind of like the Rays. Uh, only I would say the Rays probably have some higher-end talent on their on their roster, at least in the position player aspect, than the Giants do. Um, but the Giants, they employ this, this method where everyone is interchangeable, where there's not really anyone on that team that has to be in the lineup every single day. Everybody can kind of swap in and out, and they do that all the time. They do it game to game. They do it within the same game. The guys, it's not uncommon for them to have multiple substitutions to get to better matchups in the game. Gabe Kapler likes to make moves like that. And I kind of think that's probably part of the reason they're not a team that has a bunch of superstars or anything like that. It's hard to sell like the elite players in baseball that you're going to swap out and essentially be a platoon player at every single position. It's kind of hard to sell them on that. It's kind of hard to get them to sign for you with that. Um but what they can, what the Giants have done is they've they've assembled a bunch of traditional platoon players 
and maximize them to their peak effectiveness and pair them with some outstanding starting pitching that knows how to keep the the hard contact down, get strikeouts when they can, but knows how to limit hard contact. And, and they, they employ that philosophy all the way through. They are a one, they're a team that believes in the system more than the players. And that's not something you typically see from the high-end teams. Now, I do think it kind of puts a cap on what the Giants can be, quite frankly. I do think that once you get to the playoffs, you do need to just have more talent than the guys across from you. And I just I don't think the Giants have that. But they are a, a really difficult matchup because they do a lot of things well, and it's hard to really factor. It's hard to really get a good read on them and get comfortable because they are so interchangeable. Uh, with the exception of, I, I guess, if you were a point to their most indispensable player. I don't know. Maybe you could say, maybe you could say Mike Ustremski, but I really think if you were going to say anything, it would be the pitchers. It would be Webb and Radon. Uh, and then today, they're going to get Anthony DiSclafani back. DiSclafani is not bad. Um, not anybody that I, I'd care to write home about. I think that I'd still love, I still like Spencer in the matchup more. We'll see how he fares with this Giants lineup. I think that there's quite a bit of strikeouts. But one thing you'll notice with DiSclafani is he doesn't really walk batters since he's been in San Francisco, anyway. Um, he's always kind of struggled with health. Last year, he had a three-war campaign, was really good. This year hasn't been quite as good, but also hasn't been nearly as bad as his stat line has indicated. He'll be making his return start tonight. Um, should be an interesting matchup, I will say. The Braves dominate against lefties. Uh, righties can give them a little bit of trouble at times. And DiSclefani being a righty, the Braves have seen him a few times before, back when he was with Cincinnati. Um, but the way the Braves' bats are going right now, I, I think that you still say advantage Braves. It's certainly an easier task than facing off against Logan Webb, uh, which is which is good because if the Braves can go ahead and grab this one tonight and go ahead and win the series, that helps you a little bit because tomorrow you get a much tougher matchup. Tomorrow is Charlie Morton versus Carlos Rodon. And that is a very tall task for anyone. Uh, so if the Braves can go out there and win tonight, go ahead and seal this series and get ready for the Dodgers series coming up starting on Friday. That, to me, obviously we're talking about when you have Freddie Freeman coming back. Now I should say they also have they have four games set here with the Giants. I'm sorry, I thought it was four with the Dodgers and three with the Giants. But the other way around. Thursday you'll get Alex Wood and Kyle Wright, which will be fun just to see Alex Wood come back. Uh, before Friday's matchup with the Dodgers where Freddie Freeman comes to town. And I'm only mentioning Freddie here because yesterday with the Giants coming into town, it was Jock Peterson returning to Atlanta. And Jock got his uh, got his ring. He got a big ovation. He even got a standing ovation when he came up as a pinch in his pinch hit appearance in the ninth inning with the game on the line, which for, for a guy that was a role player for half a season for the Braves, um, that was... Uh, that was a little odd. I know he's a cult hero, and maybe it's, maybe it's just me. But when I when I look at, at Jock and what he did, there are a lot of people wondering, well, why wasn't Jock the one brought back? Why'd you bring back Eddie Rosario instead? Why why was it not Jock? Well, if you looked at the season, I know Jock came over and started off hot, and he's credited with kind of turning around the locker room a little bit, and uh, he had that the the piece in the Atlantic talking about we are those uh, mother bleepers. Um, had a, a lot of fun energy to him. Started up the Burgundy Boys the wine club with Luke Jackson did a lot of things in the clubhouse, but on the field, on the field, he, he wasn't, I don't want to say that he was bad. He was, he wasn't bad at all, but he also was the worst of the three guys that you brought over. He wasn't as good as Solaire and he wasn't as good as Eddie Rosario who, uh, and when you look at Jock, he ended up posting a one Oh one WRC plus was worth about 0.3 F four 
uh, in his time with the Braves last season. Went 249, 325, 428. Now, he came up huge in the NLDS, obviously, and I'm not going to fault him for that. And he is a cult hero around here for those parts, but it's almost like I think he's more of a cult hero for the personality than for what he actually brought to the team. So I was. This is one of those areas where I wasn't. I wasn't disappointed in in seeing Jock sign with the Giants. Jock wanted a little bit more of an opportunity than he probably would have got here in Atlanta. Um, I, and I was perfectly fine with it. The Braves had other needs that they were trying to look at. at that point. They were still trying to re-sign Freddie Freeman. Um, but you know, it's it's always good to see Jock. He's a fun player. He's a fine player. I don't have anything against him. He's not one of my favorite players in baseball. I think he's good at what he is. I think he's a good platoon outfielder who, who has some pop. He's not going to, you know, he'll go through stretches where he's amazing. Then he'll go through stretches where he can't find the baseball if you if you put a GPS tracker on it. It's just kind of what Jock is. He's not, a, he's not a great defender, but, you know, he, you can stick him out there if you need to, and he'll do some things for you, and he's great in the clubhouse. And that's – there are – there are good things about that. You don't always have to be the most elite player. Um, but I will say this. There's a lot of talk going on around the Braves Twitterverse about what to do on Friday when Freddie Freeman comes back. Um, I know there are still some people who have this idea that Freddie just turned his back on the Braves and didn't want to come back to Atlanta. And, oh, well, if he really wanted to be here, then he should have just taken way less money and come here. He shouldn't have tried to get top dollar. And, okay, you can, you can feel that way if you want. Um, I'm just here to say this. If Jock Peterson gets a, a better ovation than Freddie Freeman, there's something wrong with all of you. There's something wrong with Braves fans if that's the case. And I, I, I get you're trying to convince yourself that it's better this way. And, oh, well, we didn't need Freddie anyway. Well, first of all, Freddie spent most of his career here and spent a lot of his time here on a, re- on a rebuilding club with no hope of winning where he was the only good player on the team. He won an MVP. He, we won a World Series with him, and he was very much instrumental in winning that World Series. He was instrumental in bringing the Braves back to the point where they're at right now. You can say Alex Anthopoulos, and he deserves a, a ton of credit, too. We've seen what happens when you don't have good GMs around the league. But nothing, none of that happens without Freddie Freeman. And you can argue it if you want. You can pretend like it's not true, but it's true. And I, I expect Freddie to get a really good ovation. I expect him to not get booed. Except, you know, there's always going to be idiots that do. I expect him to get a, a very welcoming hand, and I expect there to be some emotion by on Freddie's face because I know Freddie's looking forward to coming back to Atlanta. Um, and, and I still have this expectation that Braves fans are, are going to be Braves fans, that we're going to be kind of classier, higher-end fans and, and, you know, thank Freddie for all the time he spent here. And even if it didn't end the way that we wanted to because we all wanted to end with Freddie wearing a Braves jersey forever we can still appreciate what he did and how much he meant to the city and the ball club and the franchise in general going forward or the franchise in general when he was there. And I think I, I will, I'll be there on Friday night and I, I will be extremely disappointed. Uh, I will be extremely disappointed if Braves fans do not welcome Freddie back with a standing ovation. I will be very disappointed if Jock Peterson, a role player for a couple of months gets more love from the Braves fans than Freddie Freeman did. That is that that's kind of inexcusable. Uh, that would that would affect my view of Braves fans as a whole. Uh, I, I generally I like to make fun of Mets fans and Phillies fans. If that if that point happens, the Braves fans will be the laughing stock of Major League Baseball and will deserve it. Quite frankly, uh, a lot of people will call out Atlanta fans and they'll and, and they'll 
they'll they'll really deserve it. That is that would be very low. That would be very low class. That would be very unappreciative. It would be very stupid. I'll just say it like that. I thought Frenchie worded it well. Speaking of Frenchie, it was really nice to hear Frenchie on the call again. Uh, I've missed having him on TV. Nothing against Brian Jordan. I love Peter Moylan. Uh, I love Paul Bird. But uh, I, I I prefer hearing Frenchie over Brian Jordan, just myself personally. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. I love Brian Jordan, nice guy and everything, but I I, I, I missed having Frenchie on the call. Uh, I don't like hearing the the old school or, or the takes of, oh, well, they just need to simultaneously need to shorten up and hit line drives, but also be aggressive at the plate and also stop trying to hit home runs and just try to hit singles the opposite way, knowing full well that that doesn't work and that's not how this Braves team is built. So I, I'm happy to see Jeff Francoeur back. Hope we get him for a little while here. Um, I got a couple more things I want to get to before we really wrap up for today, so I'll try to get this in the next... Oh, 10-ish minutes, maybe maybe 8 to 10 minutes here. Um, but hopefully, hopefully the Braves can get up and go well today. One thing that we know for sure is the Braves have two of, or <laughs> I shouldn't say no for sure, but one thing that I, two things I strongly suspect is the Braves have two players that are going to end up uh, in the top three of the Rookie of the Year race. One is Spencer Strider, who's going to go tonight, and has just been incredible in his run this year, particularly as a starter. But the other, Michael Harris, went three for three, like I mentioned. He went three for three again last night. Uh, that is already his fourth three-hit game, third or fourth three-hit game already. It, it, baseball's not supposed to be as easy as Michael Harris makes it look, but but you wouldn't know that by watching him play. I mean, he's just, he's he's on a different plane. He's on a different level. And I talk about him all the time because he's really earned it. Uh, he's now up to a 160 WRC+, plus, hit his third home run of the season against Chicago. 13 RBI, scored four runs, stolen two bases, still isn't really walking, and that's going to be the big difference for him. Those walks will start coming for him. Uh, but he's hitting 346, 369 with a 580 slugging. Uh, good for 1.3 F4. And in case you don't know what to factor that in, is that's the same value that uh, that's the same value as Matt Olson this year. Uh, it, just an incredible run for Michael Harris to start his career in 22 games to be at 1.3 F4. Absolutely incredible. I think he's your rookie of the year. I don't see anybody else right now in the National League that I think is, is a better player or has been more valuable to a team, especially when you factor in what it's meant for Adam Duvall to have Michael Harris come up so Duvall could move over to left. And Duvall, as he has now played so much better since May 28th, and he's actually been a, a good player again. Since then, when he hasn't had to waste his legs in center field, he's able to play excellent defense in left field, made a play on a ball last night, made a diving catch that would not have not have been caught by any other left fielder on this roster. 
Uh, so good to see Adam Duvall starting to, to see his numbers start to come up a little bit. And I think it's a direct reflection of having Michael Harris. Also, whenever you have Michael Harris batting ninth, and then you go right from Michael Harris to Acuna to Dansby, that is a tough setup. That, that makes it harder for pitchers. Because, again, you don't really have anywhere to go for outs. And that's, that, that's very jarring for pitchers. That, makes it, uh, that, that can make things very difficult. It makes a lot of high-stress innings, and it chases pitchers out of games earlier than they wanted, which is awesome. That's what you want to do all the time. And speaking of, by the way, Adam Duvall should mention his numbers uh, since since May 28th. He is at a 239, 299, 563 slugging with a 133 WRC plus, um, 17 hits in total, three doubles, a triple, six homers, 10 RBI, and has scored 15 runs. So Braves are, are operating like a well-oiled machine. I know they lost two games in that Cubs series and had to scrape out that final win. But I was very impressed that they didn't change their the way that they operate. They didn't really change their philosophy offensively to try to work in Wrigley. They recognize that they're not going to play in Wrigley very much. So no need to try to tailor their, their style to Wrigley and mess up what had been working so well. Came back home against a really good team in the Giants. Beat them. Now you got a chance to, to, to go ahead and, and assure yourself of a series split by winning tonight against Anthony DiSclefani be really nice to see that happen. The offense is still taking really good hacks at the ball. Uh, anytime you, you can muster six hits and, and really just put a lot of good swings against a guy like Logan Webb, it, it, it promises good things for your offense as a whole. And I know the Mets are winning still, and, and they get to play Miami right now. Uh, but as long as you're keeping pace at this point, the Mets will go into a stretch again at some point where they're not playing the Marlins of the world. Like, they'll go and... Um, they actually have, they start a two-game set with the Astros today before they play the Marlins again for three, and then they play the Astros again to end the month before getting the Rangers, Reds, Marlins uh, to start July until they until they face the Braves. So the month of July will be very easy for the Mets to start up until about the 10th. And then, you know, they do have a four-game set with the Cubs, but outside of that, and they end off with the Marlins. But the Mets are are. are doing well right now after kind of struggling a bit and and floundering a little bit, but it's the Mets and I don't, I don't need to hear anything about them for a while. And the Braves, we know get to end this month with the Phillies and they start July with the, with the Reds, Cardinals, Nationals before playing the Mets and they play the Nationals, Angels, Phillies and Diamondbacks. So July is not exactly a tough month for the Braves. I think at this point we could see the Braves grab first place before the end of July. I think the way that they're playing right now, as long as they can keep this run going, as long as they can keep playing the same way, I think I think this division is already going to be in the Braves' hands again. Now I know it's five and a half games back right now. Eh, I'm not that I'm not particularly worried about five and a half games back. I think that there's there's plenty of time in the season, uh, and the Mets are the Mets. At some point, they will. Now I know they're supposed to get Max Scherzer back. Um, they're probably going to get Degrom back at some point. Although not having any news on that front is not really a great sign for them uh, on the Degrom front. With the way the Braves are playing right now, you'd be absolutely foolish not to be worried anytime you see the Braves coming into your ballpark. Um, and and final final section before before we go today, uh, before I get back up there to uh, the the slumbering child here, um, Alex had mentioned, and I, I mentioned this uh, earlier in the week or last week, where Alex had mentioned that he was looking for a left-handed bat to add at the deadline. Now he could be just, he could just be talking about Eddie Rosario, who should coming who should be coming back any day now. Um, but if he's not, I do have one. Now there, there are a couple that you could throw out there, but I do have one that I've been kind of looking into a little bit that would make a lot of sense with Alex Anthopoulos and, and what he did with Jorge Soler in particular, finding a guy whose numbers 
were saying one thing and his his uh, his surface line was saying one thing and his underlying numbers were saying something else. Uh, and it's a guy that I, a lot of Braves fans would probably really like to have this guy. He's uh, from this area, which we know Alex uh, really likes guys that, that grew up Braves fans. Austin Meadows has not had a great season at all. He's actually been a negative value this year. Um, it, the the overall line doesn't look bad on its face until you see that he's had almost zero power this year. And I mean horrendously bad power. When I read you this for Austin Meadows, who's a guy who last year hit 27 homers and 2019 hit 33 homers, uh, this year he has no homers, 11 RBI, uh, he's hitting 250, 347 with a 328 slugging percentage. Never a good sign when your slugging is lower than your OBP. Uh, 308 Waba. It's still good for 102 WRC+, plus, but he's a negative value player right now. Uh, why would I even want to add him in there? Well, because if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll see some things that really stand out. For one, he is on by far his lowest strikeout rate of his career. His strikeout rate and his walk rate are nearly identical. 11.6 for his strikeout, 10.9 for his walks. Uh, and his Waba at 308, his ex Waba is 393. He's been maybe the most unlucky hitter in all of baseball. And you dig a little bit deeper, you go to the StatCast page, and you take a look at uh, his, his spray charts, and you'll see that playing in Comerica Park has not been good for him. Tiger, like, Comerica is not good for anybody. Uh, Nick Castellanos will tell you that. But if you look at his numbers, his exit velocity is not great for, for Meadows. His barrel percentage isn't great. His outs above average aren't great. Outside of that, Hard hit is in the 54th percentile. That's perfectly fine. His ex-Waba, 89th percentile. His batting, his ex-batting average, 97th percentile. Ex-slugging, 77th. Walk rate, 78th. K percentage, 94th. Width percentage, 97th. Chase rate, 87th. Outfielder jump, 62nd. And sprint speed, 52nd. So there's a lot of numbers on there that if you just go into what he should be doing, it's a totally different player. Uh... Outside of that, you'd see is if you're just going by his expected numbers, which you can't always do. It's not always as easy as, well, he should just hit what, what he's expected to. But that would be a 316 average with a 502 slugging uh, and a 393 Waba. Uh, that would be a, a, a really high-end piece to go along with not striking out at all. I think that he's a guy, because he's been negative value and because it's the Tigers, I think you could get him and Harold Castro. If you're talking about getting a second baseman as well, uh, or a backup second baseman, or, or if Arcia falls off, Harold Castro is one of those guys. He's a little bit older for them, uh, 28 years old. Not really much to write home about. Doesn't do, but he's a guy that handles the bat really, really well. Um, his numbers are, are okay. A horrible defender, I'll say that. Not a good defender at all, uh, but swings the bat well. Not, doesn't have a lot of pop. He's got four homers on the year, 16 RBI. But um, pretty pretty good, or a really good backup also. I want to say pretty good. He's one of those guys that I would love to have off the bench as a guy that can swing the stick a little bit. Uh, especially if Arcia ends up faltering, which doesn't look like he's going to. Looks like Arcia is for real, but just in case, Castro's a guy that has played all over the diamond for the Tigers. Wouldn't cost a lot. Uh, 107 WRC+. plus. Again, I'm just looking for guys that can hit the ball pretty well. Doesn't walk at all, only a 2% walk rate, but doesn't really strike out at 17.6%. Hitting 281, 298 with a 432 slugging and a 316 Waba. Like I said, uh, that's good for a 107 WRC+. Plus. And he's another one that's been kind of unlucky with a 374 X Waba. So, uh, I think the Braves, that's something the Braves could get done without giving up too much in prospects, which I think is, like I've said before, I don't think the Braves are looking to make a gigantic deal this year. Um, as far as maybe maybe what I might think of something like that, I think you could probably get that done for the two of them. Uh, something like Tucker Davidson, Indigo Diaz, Bryce Elder, and Luke Waddell. I think you could get 
Now, you can you can kind of interchange Diaz and Waddell, but I think if you build it around Tucker and Bryce Elder, you could get that done pretty easily. Uh, I think the Tigers are in an op- are in a spot where they're kind of more looking for uh, quantity rather than quality when you're talking about a guy like Meadows. And Meadows does have team control. And uh, I, you're, this is the perfect time to buy Austin Meadows as uh, he's had a lot of bad luck dampening his line. He, he hasn't quite been, he hasn't been the star that a lot of people thought he would be uh, when he was coming up with the Pirates before he was dealt in that Chris Archer trade. At one point, he was the 47th overall prospect in Major League Baseball. And he hasn't really performed to that level. His 2019 was exceptional. Um, but that's really been the only season he's had that was exceptional, exceptional, what we expected to get out of him. He struggled with injuries at, certain, at a lot of points of his career. Um, he's never played 150 games. But I think here, at this point in time, I'd have him here, and I'd have him split reps with Marcelo Zuna if you have to keep Ozuna. But I'd have him, I'd, I'd love having him in the lineup. I think that he's he's one of those guys that you could look at, similar to Jorge Soler last year. Uh, if you look at what what he should be doing and what he versus what he is doing, there's a large gap there. And that's one where I would bank on getting him into a change of scenery, getting him away from that park, and getting him filled with uh, getting him stacked in a lineup with a bunch of guys who can hit rather than a team like the Tigers, where there's really just not a lot of people that can play the game very well over there right now. I think you'd see a, a real big increase in especially his power numbers, but just in his game overall. I think that would be an excellent, excellent trade. I don't think it would cost a lot. Alex likes working with the Tigers. He's worked with them quite a few times. Um, I, I think that's something I'd keep an eye on. If Alex wants to go out and acquire a lefty bat, I think Austin Meadows would be a very, very sneaky ad. Um, now, again, not saying that's going to happen. He could just be he, It could just be Eddie Rosario. Now that he can see the baseball, goes back to hitting really well, and the Braves don't want to add anymore. Um, but I, I would be I would love to have Austin Meadows and, and, and take that chance on Austin Meadows, especially if you're not giving up a ton. I don't want to see Tucker Davidson have to move on uh, or, or get dealt, but I have a feeling that one of Tucker or Muller is going to get traded, uh, and I don't think it's going to be Kyle. I think Kyle has been so good in AAA this year that they're going to look at him and hope that he can be another Kyle Wright where you just let him work in AAA for a year, let him work with Mike Merrith and get some things worked out, and then all of a sudden he, he grabs a, a, a bit more of command as he's not walking people in Gwinnett anymore. And I think that the Braves, are seeing what Kyle Muller's doing, the Braves love Waskar Noah and love what he's been doing as well. I think Tucker might be the odd man out there. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but the Braves have some options, and they can they could go a couple of different ways. Uh, best thing to do is just to keep winning anyway. That's going to start again tonight with Spencer Strider taking on Anthony DiScofani. 721st pitch. We'll see what goes on today. Hoping for a, another great day from Spencer Strider, and he can shut down this Giants offense, get the Braves a win in Game 2, and go into Game 3 tomorrow against the exceptional Carlos Rodon feeling really, really good and on a an, another role where you can kind of set up. Now you can go to, to stretch that win streak to three games again. Once you get to three, I'll call it a real streak. Uh, see if you can get that going tonight. But that's going to do it for me here tonight. We'll be back again on Thursday here for the 643 Podcast. Uh, make sure you're checking around. Make sure you're following me along at Dylan X Short on Twitter. Uh, checking out the Saturday shows, 643, every Saturday morning, 9 to 11 on 680 The Fan. But that's going to do it for me. So we will be back on Thursday, Braves. Go Braves, win again. First pitch, 720. Spencer Strider, the mustachioed maven, takes the hill, going against Anthony DiScofani. Go Braves, and I'll see you guys on Thursday. That's all, folks. The warm air, the sounds of baseball... 
It's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.